Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com give. Enjoy the message. Oh, you guys love those things when people hurt themselves. So, uh, well, good to be back. Uh, I want to welcome those watching in Issaquah, Duval, and Bothell, and Castle Rock as well as uh, we close out this series, Courage. I'm Ben. I'm the lead pastor here at Timberlake, and uh, really uh, glad to be back as we look today at the courage to face our problems. Any of you, would you can think of maybe a problem you have or a problem you can get pretty soon if you want one. We all have a problem. My problem is that uh, I sometimes forget things or I pick up the wrong things. Uh, I was going into church and was grabbing my keys uh, and what I thought was my keys and I go to church and as I got to church, I realized that I not only had my keys to my car, but my wife's keys to her car as well. And uh, she has an extra set of keys, and so she was able uh, to make it work. And I thought, okay, I really need to remember to bring back her set of keys because it has everything she needs on it and all of that. So uh, I forget at the end of the day, and then I go back the next day, and now I can't find her keys. Uh, and she responded really well to that. Uh, no, uh, and uh, finally, I forget it for a while, and uh, she leaves me. She drives by the church on her way uh, to work, and she leaves me this note on the, my desk, uh, and it says, to do, look for your wife's keys, love your wife. <laughs> a little bit of subtlety there, isn't it? Uh, now, that problem was, uh, was not that bad, but then I had another problem that uh, was bad uh, this week. Uh, my dog, Jack, I've talked about him a lot. He's uh, like 12-and-a-half-year-old uh, golden retriever, and he was feeling sick, and he was not doing well. And you say, okay, you know, really, is your dog feeling sick? Uh, he wasn't eating or drinking uh, or any, he was just laying around, no matter, I, I gave him a bone, he wouldn't eat the bone, he wouldn't eat anything. And, and this is a dog that does not have a discerning palate, let me tell you. <laughs> he eats garbage and poop, I'm sorry, but that's what, <laughs> so this dog will eat absolutely anything. And speaking uh, about the latter there, I was uh, t uh, taking him into the vet, and the vet said it would be helpful to have a stool sample <laughs> from my dog. Okay, I know you're thinking this is getting gross. It really is. Well, my dog uh, wasn't doing anything on that end. I mean, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know how to tell this story. So, uh, anyway, you get what I mean. So, <laughs> so finally, uh, he finally has the magic moment uh, in our neighbor's yard. <laughs> and so, a uh, whole other issue there. And then so we had to, to grab, well not grab, get a bag and do all of that kind of stuff. The problem is, it's like five hours till we go to the vet, to the vet's appointment. 
It's over 80 degrees. I was thinking of putting it in my car, but I thought that may not turn out too well. And I didn't know what to do with it. And so I have it. My daughter's there. And I look at the fridge, and she says, I'll never eat at this house again. <laughs> uh, but the, the good part of the story is Jack is feeling well now. Uh, he's eating everything again. Uh, and it's just a little problem. See, the, the truth is we have courage to face uh, certain problems. The problems where the win is defined, where we feel confident in our ability to pull it off, uh, where we really think the problem is not too big because we don't care what happens at the end of the day. But those aren't the problems that I want to look at. What I want to look at is the courage to face those problems that maybe have dogged us for many years, that have in some ways defined our life. You think uh, about this, and you might say, hey, sort of a bummer to talk about problems, but almost every great invention has uh, come about because of some sort of problem, uh, uh, people not being able to communicate on the go. And so uh, we have cell phones, not able to make uh, food quickly in microwaves, and, and all these uh, uh, inventions that we have, some better than others. Uh, and it's out of problems. And I don't want to sound Pollyanna about this, but I do believe, and, and I've experienced this, and I've seen it in other people's lives as well, that some of the greatest moves forward, the greatest accomplishments, it can be on a spiritual level, a relational level, uh, uh, you name, it could be career or even uh, health, Oftentimes they come about these, these great strides forward because there was a problem that caught our attention. And uh, we see this in society. We also see it in the Scripture uh, as well. And I want to look at uh, just one uh, half of chapter 6 of the book of Acts today. We're going to spend almost all our time there. And it starts out uh, describing... A problem. It says, in those days when the number of disciples were increasing, that's the good news, right? There's a lot of people coming to faith. Things are happening. The Hellenistic Jews among them uh, complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So here's what you have going on. After Jesus uh, came and uh, he gave his life he rose again from the dead, and it went from a few followers to a few hundred to thousands of people who are following Jesus. And this is just what we learned about in the first few chapters. Here in chapter 6, we see this is continuing again and again, and there's a bunch of people who are coming to faith. And so that's the good news. And they were caring for people's needs as an expression of their faith. Now, I've said this before, uh, if you look back historically, even if you're not a Christ follower or never intend to be, you, you'd look and say, well, hospitals, it was Christians caring for people, and that's why we have hospitals today. And uh, orphanages caring uh, for orphans, that came about because of Christ followers. People putting their faith into action. But uh, this is so realistic when you read the Bible. That's why... Uh, if you've ever read other religious books, I'm not saying they're all unrealistic, but many of them, quite frankly, seem to be so to me. So you have 
this great stride forward, and yet there's an honesty about a problem. That there was only so much to go around, only so much time and energy. And so when it came to caring for people, they would care for some people. They would care for maybe their own people, the people they most closely identified with. Really, there's sort of a, an, an ethnic thing here going on. And they would overlook other people. And so it may not seem like much, but this is a problem that literally could have tore apart the early church. It could have made people feel like uh, that God, or at least the church, was only for some people. And so that's the context that we have. And see, oftentimes when we have a situation like this, there's only so much energy and time to go around and the need is too big, we say, what should we do? And often we forget to see the God-sized solutions. Now, that is, we can see this in the Scripture, but we can also see it in our everyday life. I can see it when people have faced tremendous problems. I know people who have lost a, a loved one, a child, and through that incredible pain have found faith in God. I, I've seen couples and where there's been so much trouble in the marriage, there's been uh, infidelity, you name it, and if you were looking with just human eyes, you wouldn't give much hope. But yet, I, I know them today, and not only has God restored their broken world, is they're experiencing relationship and intimacy in a way that they hadn't even previous to the problem that they experienced. Parents who are struggling with kids and who, who have found help and hope in a community to support them. People in financial crisis who realize, hey, you know, that God can even help meet those needs when I come to Him and I live under His way and His principles. See, oftentimes we respond differently. Here are some, some common but not so great solutions uh, that we have when we have problems. One is simply denial. We deny the problem. We say, hey, it's, it's not a, a, a problem at all, uh, and we just hope it goes away. My, uh, I was introduced to something that uh, I don't, you've probably heard of because you're a lot smarter than I am. Uh, how many of you have heard of vanity sizing? Yeah, okay, a few of you have heard that. Okay, so, so clothing uh, manufacturers will do this. And actually, I did a little research on this uh, where sizes have changed over time. And so uh, I, I was in, in a clothing store, and I know I had put on a little bit of muscle around the middle. And so the, uh, <laughs> it's, it's that big ab workout I've been doing. And so uh, I, I, I walk in the store, and I'm able to wear the size I normally wear. And my wife says, uh, oh, yeah, that's because of vanity sizing. And I had never heard of that before. And that means that even though it says size 32, it means size 68. No, <laughs> you know, it's like, or whatever. And uh, I did a little research. It's very true that they have changed these. So if you say, I still wear the same size as I did in high school, no, that's not good news. Uh, and so, uh, and, and why do they do this? 
Why do they do this? It's because when the right size is on the clothes, people feel better about themselves and they buy more clothes. That is called denial, my friends. <laughs> and uh, we like to, we, sometimes we like to live there. Hey, if I just deny the problem, it'll go away. And I, the only problem I have is if my wife told me about vanity sizing, otherwise I would feel very good about myself today. <laughs> and then there's another way we deal with uh, problems is deflection. This is a big one, especially for those of you who are uh, married. If, if, if you're married or dating here today, uh, may, by the way, you may be with someone and you don't know if you're dating, you're about to find out. So <laughs> if you're married or dating, will you raise your hands? Go ahead. On the campuses as well, everyone raise uh, our hands. Okay, good. Have you ever gotten in an argument and, uh, or a discussion, I should say, and you're talking uh, about uh, finances, let's say, or something like that, and then all of a sudden, it becomes an argument about who does more around the house. Oh, you're laughing because you do that, right? Do you know why you do that? Because you're a sinner. That's why you do that. <laughs> no, uh, no I, I, seriously, there's uh, a psychologist would call this deflection. And so we're being confronted with an uncomfortable truth. And so instead of owning and dealing with my uncomfortable truth, what I'll do is bring up something which might be true. It could be true. And so I bring that up as maybe to uh, defend myself. Have you ever wondered why, and I'm being real serious now, have you ever wondered why you've had some of the same problems and same conversations over and over again in your marriage? I can tell you for most of you, this is the reason. Because you'll deflect instead of totally live in the space of your problem. Totally live in that space and say, is this true? Is this from God? How can I change what needs to be done? If you can learn not to deflect, you will, one, you'll do better in your career. You're going to, true, if you can own your own problems, you'll probably end up being someone's boss or your boss's boss someday. But even more important, you'll be able to be in right relationship with family, with friends, uh, and then there's uh, doubt. There's, uh, so how does doubt come into play? Sometimes we uh, doubt that our problem can ever really get better. Uh, and we create a self-fulfilling prophecy. Well, it's always going to be that way. It was that way for my parents. Um, you know, I, I remember uh, growing up. I sort of grew up one way and was exposed to just different groups of people, a lot of it after I became a Christ follower. And I, I saw that there were answers to some of the issues I was facing that I never thought was possible. And that can lead to discouragement. We've tried something before, and our efforts were uh, unfruitful. Maybe they were unrewarded if it was a relationship. And then there's a distraction. This has happened to all of us. How many have had a problem and you work on everything but the problem? 
Right, we do that, you know. There's something that needs to be done around the house. And uh, my wife and I have this discussion a lot. We will have friends over. And so we have friends over, and, uh, you know, it, it, all of a sudden, I know it's time for me to clean the garage. And she's like, but our, we're not having the party in the garage, honey. We are having it in the living room. I know, but what if one of my friends walks out to the garage and looks at my tools? Well, they'll be disappointed in you. So, you know, uh, so, but uh, uh, easily uh, distracted. How many of you are easily distracted? Yeah. Yeah, see that shiny object? Anyway, so, uh, and then there's also delay. Uh, delay is where we have a problem and we're going to get around to it. How many of you have had problems that you're going to get around to for years? Uh, that's why we don't finish the education. That's why we don't start the, the exercise. And, and see, life... Uh, Life doesn't do, some of our parents maybe taught us in a way that, you know, the one, two, that kind of discipline, right? But life doesn't go, your boss doesn't say, hey, will you do this? One, (laughs) two, I'm really serious now. Yeah, no, (laughs) And delays, delays can be deadly. Getting around to, to going to counseling. And, and yeah, when the other person leaves, you'll do it. And I hope it works. Oftentimes it doesn't at that point. It's too late. Dealing with health issues. How about where, where your faith is with Jesus Christ? Saying, yeah, I'll, I'll, my heart will change. Well, our heart changes when we say, God, I'm open to you right now. And so that's what we normally do. And by the way, uh, I, I do all of those things or have done some more, at least in the past, than I do now, maybe a little bit of progress. We see a different tact. Now, think about this. These are the leaders of the early church. They have done so many things right, and in fact, they're caring for people in a way the Roman government didn't at all. In fact, uh, they would leave uh, uh, babies out to literally die on the streets. There was uh, horrible things that would go on. But yet, they're failing in this one area. And they don't deny, they don't deflect, they don't get distracted. Here's what we read in the Bible. It says, uh, So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would be not right for us to neglect the ministry of the Word of God in order to wait on tables. Now that sounds like, oh yeah, they're, they're not going to do anything. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. And we will turn this responsibility over to them, and we will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Procurus, and Nicar, and Timon, and Parmenius, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So, what they did is they came up with a solution that had never been tried before. 
They, they, they said, okay, we understand what God wants done and that we can't do it. And so they have a great response to a difficult situation uh, where people are operating in their gifts. It's without guilt or shame. And I think we learn so much from that. See, we, as, as a pastor, uh, one of the things when I spot a problem in the church and everyone's, oh, we don't have any problems in our church. Oh, no, we always have problems in our church. And uh, I'm excited when I find a problem. That may sound weird. Because the problem existed before I found it out. And now I'm like, hey, we're halfway to solution. Uh, this has happened throughout. Like when I first came uh, to Timberlake Church, this is, uh, some of these happened on my watch. Some of these happened before. Uh, youth ministry didn't really... Uh, especially high school, there really wasn't much going on at all there. And that had not been as strong a point for the church. And so we acknowledge, and we're like, now youth ministry is amazing at Timberlake Church. Uh, family, in fact, I'm sure uh, some of you, you chose this church because of the great youth ministry. As our church grew, as we uh, grew from one location, one service, and half an auditorium to uh, as we've grown over the years, care became an issue. We used to have, well, all the pastors will take care of care. And then there was one incident in, in particular, I remember, where someone fell through the cracks. And uh, for me, uh, God called me to be a pastor because I have a heart for people. And so that, that broke my heart when this person fell through the cracks. And I said, this is never going to happen again, or at least we will do our best to make sure it never happens again. And that's when uh, we started focusing and had a part-time staff person, then a full-time staff person, and then a whole system around care. See, I'm excited when we find problems because then I say, we're on our way to solution. And uh, I think that happens definitely as a church, and I, I, honestly, I think that's one of the reasons we do fairly well as a church is because we assume there's some problem we need to solve. Uh, and there's some humility with that. But also in our own lives where we say, you know, there's probably something that uh, God wants to work on in my life. I've not re achieved perfection. Any of you achieved perfection at this point in life? No? Okay. Well, then let's look at what we learn here. Uh, number one, how, what do we learn from this passage? Uh, is to acknowledge the problem. Uh, it says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. Is when we say, okay, I have a problem. There's an area, it may be a problem I caused, a problem on the outside. I don't know what it is. It could be financial, uh, relational. I admit it. And then uh, we see the early church, their leaders, they did that, and then they kept their priorities. And it's so important for us as we acknowledge problems to also keep our priorities. They said, hey, uh, we need to be about sharing uh, the good news about Jesus Christ. Because the Bible's pretty clear. We did, I did a message on that a couple months ago. How can people know unless someone's told them uh, who God is and their plan his plan for their lives, and they said, we're going to focus on that even as we meet other needs. I think in the church today, this is one of the things uh, 
where churches can get off track. And it's easy because uh, we want to meet every need that's before us, right? I mean, that's part of our heart, I hope, is if you're a Christ follower, you want to do that. But it's important to remember what we're about first and foremost. Uh, because I've seen churches do actually good things. It's not like uh, people say, you know, we've decided we're going to start worshiping Satan instead of Jesus. That rarely happens, by the way. Uh, but sometimes it can be about a, a, a great cause, you know, uh, a deforestation in the world. And, and that, those bad things happen, but can, clean water. Everyone should have clean water. And uh, other areas that are very legitimate, but then there's a tipping point when we lose the nature of who we are. See, we're not good people who do good things. We're God's people called to make a difference in the world. And I know some of you might be confused and say, well, don't we do some of the things you just talked about? Yeah, orphan care for us is huge. We hundreds of thousands of dollars we invest in orphan care and uh, ministries like that around the world, uh, helping people uh, with their needs. But it's because of who we are in Jesus Christ and to proclaim the love of Jesus Christ. We find that in the early church uh, as well. The Apostle Paul said this. He said, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what ahead is what ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. He's saying, I'm focusing on what God wants me to do. And then I, I think this is one that, that is hardest for us, uh, is to think, live, and believe beyond a zero-sum game. See, the leaders in the early church, they didn't think it was uh, limited that, well, I guess we can only do this, that there's no solution to care for all these people. They said, what if, what if God showed up and, and, and did something miraculous? And so they came up with a, a way to care for people that had never been done before. In fact, Jesus, he was uh, confronted by some people who were concerned about how can someone go to heaven if God is perfect and holy and pure and, and we're not. Jesus uh, looked at them and he said, with man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. And they didn't know that he would be the way. He would be God's provision for them to come to hope and faith in Jesus. Are you willing to live in the impossible? To say, God, I'm going to have this impossible situation in my finances, in my relationships, just with my emotional pain, maybe a, a sense of what's next in the future. If you can live in that place and trust God in that place, then that's where faith is built, and that's where God does miracles. Many of you know uh, my mom uh, died this last month, and uh, she had a, a tough life, some of it uh, just horrible circumstances she was brought up in, some of her own making uh, as well. And uh, a lot of you asked how the service went, and the service went well, and it was great uh, to see 
so many of my family members in church, a lot of them aren't church people, uh, and uh, they were a little bit uncomfortable when they were there, uh, and I forgot how, how uncomfortable they can get. They're not uncomfortable when they come to Timberlake Church because they all have things they can bring out from my youth and tell you about those things. And so, uh, they were in this church, and they were feeling a little uncomfortable, and uh, it came to the point in the service uh, where there was uh, the family uh, sharing and friends sharing. And the pastor uh, said, well, well, now would the family or friends like to share? And I didn't want to talk because I'd already talked a little bit. And uh, there was just silence and silence and silence. And I'm looking at some of my brothers and sisters, and I literally see sweat coming off their head, thinking, if I speak in church, I know I'm going to be struck down by God. And, uh, and honestly, you know, this is, it's hard in those moments, and it was hard for us. But, but the cool thing was uh, about a half a dozen or so people from the church uh, shared and some of one, one person shared, said, uh, I would not be following Jesus today uh, if it wasn't for her. And he and described how uh, she, when he was just walking in the church and sort of shared faith, and someone else uh, was sharing just another act of kindness, and, and there were about a half a dozen people sharing. And the cool thing was, is to be frank with you, that was a different picture than some of my family saw of my mom growing up. I wish I could say it was different, but it was different in a way that was not good. But when they heard that, they heard that redemptive story, there's a sense of people can change. God can do miracles. And as long as you're living, as long as you're here, God is not done with you. If you would say, God, I'm willing to turn to you. I'm willing to let you in. God, I'm willing to take even the most broken part of my life and invite, invite you to do a miracle. Well, part, part of this is uh, to broaden a circle. And, and we see this in the book of Acts, that they, they bring in leaders, people who had not had leadership before. And uh, the Bible talks a lot about broadening the circle. It says, plans lack, uh, fail for a lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. Exodus 18 is the story of Moses and, and Jethro, his father-in-law, who says, hey, you can't carry this on your own. And so maybe if you're going through some adversity in your life, have you... Let me ask you this question. Have you broadened your circle wide enough? In fact, our natural reaction is when we're going through a problem or adversity is to hide, is to hunker down, is to stay away from other people. And it's at that moment we need to do the opposite. Really, at every moment, we need to do the opposite. And so, what steps are you taking to allow other people, and people who, who love God and love you, is there anyone in your life who says, I am 100% for God and I'm 100% for you? And that can happen. That happens uh, in the context of the church. It happens as we start, again, uh, even summer we don't do a lot of classes and growth groups, but we're doing them now. If you say, I'm feeling disconnected, you have your opportunity now. Are you going to delay it? 
Are you going to get distracted? If this is, what a great opportunity. Maybe someone on your ministry team, get to know them better. If you're not on a ministry team, get on a ministry team. And you will see, see oftentimes uh, what, what we do is we present who we think people want to see instead of who we are. It's like uh, the very first game, and, and I think I mentioned this a number of years ago, uh, very first game kids learn. It's played across uh, pretty much every culture. Uh, not, there's no written rules for it or anything, but everyone plays it, uh, is the game Peekaboo. You know the game Peekaboo, right? You peek and then you boo, and that's uh, how it works. It's, uh, you know, it, everyone plays it. Not many people invite people over to dinner and say, hey, you want to play peekaboo? You know, we're going to do that. Uh, but there's something that developmental psychologists uh, tell us is it's so important because it, it's when a child learns that even when I don't see you, you're still there. Uh, and then it helps them, and that's how they develop, and, you know, hopefully less separation anxiety. And I, I think for some of us, we need to learn this on a couple levels. One, when we don't see God, He is still there. And we learn to take steps of faith. And we allow other people in, and, and, and we, we're like, hey, if you see the real me, will you still be there? Part of this is, number five, take a step right now. This is what the leaders of the early church uh, did. Uh, they, they chose seven people, and they said, hey, let's care for the needs of, of other people. Psalm 119.60, I love what the psalmist says, I will hasten and not delay to obey your commands. This is where we don't put God on hold. And maybe for you, there's an area of your life where you've been putting God on hold, and, and this is a time for you to say, I'm not going to do that anymore. Is there an area in your faith that you say, it, you may not recognize it's a problem, but it's an area where God's calling you to grow? Pastor Dave, if you were not here last weekend, Pastor Dave Nelson did an amazing message on forgiveness. And you're like, well, I don't want to forgive people. Well, then you need to listen to the message. That's what you need to do. Uh, maybe it's an area with uh, more intimacy with God, which is worshiping God, just showing up. By the way, this has been great. So many people showing up, middle of July, all summer. Things are going great. But what about you, that you would say, you know, God, I'm going to be worshiping you. That's important. It can be, be an area of your finances. It could be an area of serving. One of the things that's coming up is baptism. And uh, if you're a believer, if you've said yes to Jesus since you've said yes and you've not been baptized, that's an area of one great celebration, and it's just a lot of fun, uh, but it's also an area of obedience where we identify with the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that could be uh, a step for you. See, part of this is number six. Look for the God opportunity in the problem. That if you're uh, having uh, a difficulty right now, would you believe that there might be a God opportunity in the middle of it? This is what happened in the early church. And we read in verse 7 what was the outcome of their obedience. It says, so the word of God spread. 
the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. And so there, there was this growth, there was this uh, moving forward because people took a risk and took a step. Will you pray with me? Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church Podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting TimberlakeChurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook.